0: This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 549, and the quote of the day is, To share your weakness is to make yourself vulnerable. To make yourself vulnerable is to show your strength. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here. Episode 549. That blows my mind every time I say the number five. I can't believe we're almost at 550 episodes. And this show would not be possible without you. So thank you so much for being here. And 2020 is going to be a great year. And I feel like the beginning of my 2020 kind of got started off on a a weird sort of bad foot. So I'm considering uh, February to be the beginning of the year for me. So so uh, lots to come in 2020 that I'm excited about. And one thing I am excited about, I'm always excited about, and I talk about it a lot, is Dream Symbols. And you can get yourself some amazing sounding symbols without breaking the bank. And you can do that by going to dreamsymbols.com or checking out your favorite retailer. And these symbols, again, they don't break the bank, but the people who make them, the people who work at the company are great people. I've d- been dealing with them for a very long time. Unfortunately, I miss seeing them at NAMM this year because I was not there. Uh, but anyway... Check them out. Go to dreamsymbols.com. You will not be sorry. I promise you. And uh, you're going to save some bread, which is always a good thing. So check them out, dreamsymbols.com. And I'm not going to waste any time. I want to get into this conversation with E-Man. And E-Man is the drummer for Andy Grammer. And for some of you probably don't know that I work with Andy Grammer on his podcast, or we did, and and uh, helped launch his podcast and everything. And then E-Man and I met a few times, never really got a chance to like, do some real hanging though and getting to talk and and uh so i'm glad i was able to do that and this is a great conversation he talks a lot about about ego and humility and 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 personal struggles that that he overcame and that a lot of us suffer from myself included so it was it was great for him to be open and honest and candid in this conversation and i'm not going to waste any more time let's get in it with (laughs) e-man E-Man, what's going on, brother?
1: Not much. Just uh, on on Skype with with you, sir.
0: This sounds. <laughs> it seems like we just started this, but in actuality, we've already done this three times. And oh yeah, and we're having some internet problems.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! It's great when it works, but when it doesn't, we should wow. just.
0: I don't know why we should have just done this in person. We both live in the same town. Uh, you know, I was, I was mentioning earlier that a lot of times I do these, have these conversations and it's either people I've never met before or that I've known for a a long time and sort of have built a relationship with. And you and I fall like right in the middle of that where like, we've known each other for a while. Uh, don't know each other super well and have only you know, we hung out one time after, after you played with Andy at the Grove, another time where we did a live podcast recording with Andy at, uh, at hotel cafe, which was like the that's first right. week I moved to, to LA. Oh uh, my gosh. That's right. I yeah. And I was that. like hitting you up for all the, I was like, what restaurant should I go to? I was like most <laughs> important thing. I'm like, where should I eat?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that was a while ago. Cause I think, uh, that was Andy's first video podcast. And so I'm guessing that was definitely over a year ago. Now
0: it was, uh, it was last, it was a year ago, November. Yeah. Wow. Wow.
1: That's time flies, man. Time, time definitely flies.
0: Yeah. So speaking of time flying, uh, I know that you've been, you've been with Andy for a while, but I want to rewind, rewind the tape a little bit. And for those of you who don't know what a tape is, you can Google that. Um, (laughs) so, Uh, talk to me about growing up. Are you born and bred in LA?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I am the byproduct of immigration. Uh, both of my parents immigrated with my, uh, older siblings, have an older sister and an older brother, Mm -hmm. um, in like the mid eighties. And then once they settled their life a little bit here, I was, I was born. Where did they, Uh, where did they immigrate from? Oh, they came from Mexico. So they were living in, uh, a state named Jalisco, mm-hmm. and they're they're they were living in a. People probably know Guadalajara a little bit more, right? Is that really famous Mexican song called Guadalajara? So they came from that. I want to say like eighty four,
0: and I was born eighty six. So you so, definitely know where the good Mexican restaurants are, then.
1: Yeah, and and unfortunately, like all cultures of the world, I would dare to say the best Mexican restaurant is over at my mom's house. Uh, <laughs>
0: I get it. You know, I get it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there's some great stuff around here. And, uh, you know, I I think uh, them making that choice and them taking those sacrifices is uh, one of the many, if not the biggest reason why, like myself and my siblings are quote unquote successful, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that means for people. But, you know, I know it wasn't easy for them. I know it's still not easy. I mean, they are U.S. citizens now and they love it. But, um, you know, it's, you you. It, even though Mexico's not geographically that far, it, you're you're moving your entire life for that. So yeah, um, I know it was a, a big decision, and uh, I'm, I'm thankful. I don't I don't think I ever express that often to people that know me and stuff. But I, you know, it's it's uh, one of those things that I you literally wouldn't be here without that. So I'm right. very thankful for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I so I'm your first generation. I'm second generation. And okay. And, but I see, you know, the sort of, the, the, immigrant, like work ethic and, and what goes into adjusting to a new culture and, and things like that. And I f- sort of wear, wear it th- probably a little less than you, but I still wear it the same way. We're like, I don't want, you know, my family to have, to have come over here and, and put everything on the line. And for me to like screw up that legacy. Right. And like, I don't want yeah. you to like put all this work in for me to not, not achieve things at the, at the highest level. Right
1: absolutely do you absolutely. feel a lot of that There's, yeah i mean you know and i i think maybe i don't know how to say it but you know i think for me a lot of it too was um when i was born and you know as i started growing up i think i was I don't know, maybe like 10 or 11 you know my my parents were still trying to get you know themselves up you know tr- still mm-hmm. trying to succeed and still trying to figure it out and um I I remember vividly like we were we were definitely poor uh and I want to say at some point my dad lost his job my my dad was a construction guy you know he's a lo- lifelong union guy and at some point he lost his job you know there was that kind of little recession in the states in like the mid 90s that kind of happened mm-hmm. and, um you know it definitely hit our family hard and I I remember him saying like, well, you know, we can always just sell things. And I was like, what do you mean sell things? And he's like, well, I have a friend who sells, you know, vegetables to like the local restaurants, you know. And and I'm a kid, right? And I'm seeing my parents go through this, right? And I'm like, what do, what do, what do you mean, man? Like sell things. And, you know, he, he started a, a little business of selling like uh, vegetables to like the local restaurants. And I would sometimes go with him and we would sell tomatoes and tomatillos and chilies and onions and you know you'd wake up at 4 or 5 a.m go over to the the food district in la you pick up hundreds of pounds of tomatoes or vegetables and you come back and you just try to sell it (laughs) it's crazy (laughs) And, and eventually you know he had a root where, you know, uh, on Tuesdays, I got to get this many to this one guy. And on Saturdays, I got to get this, many, you know, and right. Uh, it was all prep stuff. So I, I remember being a kid, and you know, between playing playing drums, which was already a part of my life by that point. Video games, sports, whatever. Uh, just helping like uh, pick to- bad tomatoes out of boxes, you know, and throw mm-hmm. them away and, and putting them together and make them look presentable. And, you know, just.
0: Yeah, I was probably like 12, 11 or 12 when that was happening. There's so. there's something about working at that age and especially like a family thing. Like I grew up in the restaurant business. My parents have owned a ton, you know, a bunch of restaurants since the 70s. And same deal, like, you know, washing dishes at 10, 11, 12 years old or like sweeping the floor or helping, you know, yeah. like, or like put stock away in the refrigerator or whatever it is. And I, I just think it, I think it builds character. And I, I think that, yeah. and you, you value you, you know, you respect the value of a dollar, which I'm sure that yeah. you do as well. Right.
1: Definitely. You know, and I'm, again, I'm just super thankful that, that, um, that I, now, you know, you're a kid and you're like, Oh, this sucks. Why do I, why can't we go to Disneyland? But right. now I'm like, Oh, so you mean when I have to pick up a bunch of boxes of tomatoes now, it's like, Oh, it's, it's they weigh less, they weigh more than a, than a, um, than a base room. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like you pick up a bass and You're like, oh, that's whatever. That's
0: yeah, fine. not a big deal. Yep. And you also, and it also makes you realize, like, <laughs> oh, that's where money comes from. Hard work. Exactly. And, it's and, it's super
1: hard work. Yeah. It's super hard work. So you know, I I literally hit drums for a living, and it's cool. And that's not hard. It really isn't. You know, mm-hmm. the hard part about our business, and I think a lot of people will say the same thing, is is being able to be good at people. And I don't know if people are uh, always aware of that, but you know, if you're good with people and you know, you're going to fail, you're going to burn bridges and you're going to, you're going to hurt somebody. You're going to do something that's going to piss somebody off. But if your like, main goal is to just not be a dick. I think, (laughs) can I curse? Sorry. Yeah, of course.
2: course. (laughs)
1: Um, You know, I think if your main goal is not to be a dick, then obviously like if you're decent at music, you're going to, you're going to have a career.
0: Do you think that that's something that is learned or something that is natural? Like, what, what, you know, the the limited times I've been around mm. you, you just exude an energy. Like you're just, you can just mm. tell that you're a good dude, right? And like, yeah. you, you always have a smile on your face. You're, you know, you're in a good mood. You're, you're, you're kind. You're courteous. You're like, hey, great to see. You, you know, and it's not disingenuous. And that's just that's the type of person you are. But did you? did you, was that something that you thought about years ago? Like I, I, I'm not thinking that you thought, Oh, I should be nice to people because I really want to be a dick. (laughs) I'm not thinking that, but was it something that you were like, man, I got to I have to learn how to build relationships and have like these interpersonal relationships because this industry is all about relationships and and building those relationships.
1: I think it's a mixture of both for me. Um, I, it's something I still work on. I, I think I have like, an ability to make people feel welcome and be friendly and all these things. But I really feel like I had to work for that Um, because I, I I'm the third of, of three in my family. And though, you know, you would think the baby is always the spoiled one. And I probably was, I always had to work for something, right? I always had to get the attention of people. And at some point I realized like, I don't have to get people's attention. They're just going to give me attention. And, once that happened, then you go through the like, screw you. I'm too good for this. I'm too cool for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I, so I kind of had to like swing this pendulum back and forth of like, you're being a jerk. You're not being a jerk enough. You know, like there's like, I don't know. I just always feel like I had to go back and forth. And at some point I just realized, you know, I just need to be nice. Yeah. It doesn't cost me anything to be nice. Yep. It Like psychologically, emotionally. Financially, it doesn't cost anybody anything to be a nice person. Mm -hmm. And you know, I have really bad days. You know, I like a lot of people. I struggle with anxiety, and I struggle with you know, am I good enough and all these things and Mm
0: -hmm. the imposter syndrome and all that. Yeah,
1: that costs me a lot. That takes so much energy away from me. But if somebody comes up to me like you did that at that show or a fan or something, I'll just I'm here for you right now. You have my attention. Is Mm -hmm. it going to be two hours? Probably not but right. is it going to be 25 seconds and in those 25 seconds, I'm going to make you feel amazing. I'm going to try and do that.
0: Mm-hmm. How did yeah. it, uh, you'd mentioned, you'd mentioned ang- anxiety and imposter syndrome. Like myself, I've struggled with ex- like sometimes like debilitating anxiety. Uh, so I, I understand that. And then the imposter syndrome, I think is something that, that everyone suffers from, from time to time, no matter what level, no matter how good you are or how bad you are or, or anywhere in between. Uh, how did you, or how do you, I should say, cause it's an ongoing thing. How do you deal with those two things? How do you deal with the anxiety? And like, is it, is it anxiety from a sort of like a, uh, mental standpoint of just general anxiety or like anxiety when you're walking on stage or when you're in certain situations?
1: Uh, well, I think I'll separate it. I think there's okay. like personal anxiety and then there's work anxiety, right? Like we all want to be great. We always want to be great. Uh, and we all strive to be perfect, right? Not that we don't in our personal lives, but as far as music, I, I never want, I've said this before, I never want my playing to be the issue. Mm-hmm. Never. That's easy. Like, it's all muscle memory. Like, none of us are really out there trying new things, or at least you shouldn't be, right? <laughs> um,
0: Not on stage, anyway. Maybe some
1: people do. Yeah, some people do. I don't. Uh, every once in a while, you know, I'll have a shot of Jamison, and something will come out, but you know, like, um, I think we all try to be really, really good at what we do. Right. Um, and so that doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. That doesn't mean it's going to be bad. It's just like always, that's the focus. So I don't really get anxiety as far as playing because I've worked my butt off to make sure that my four on the floor is dead on every night. Right. Mm-hmm. Getting on stage. I don't really care. like, Little venue, big venue. I've been fortunate to do that. I'm fine. Right. And th- maybe that sounds douchey, but it, it, that's not to me, it isn't because it's, it's the reality. Like, I think if you're really good at something, if you're an airline pilot and you get nervous every time you're going to take off, I think that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. have to be able to control that anxiety or those nerves or that tension, whatever. Right. And that control to me is really, really awesome. So for me, my anxiety just comes from like everyday life. Like, Oh my gosh, did I lock my car? Did you know, like all those things tend to overwhelm me sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I take, I take some medication, not prescribed or anything, but like I take some anxiety, anxiety, magnesium stuff. Um, I try to just let my mind be still as often as possible. I practice and that's a form of meditation, you know, Mm -hmm. um, So that's kind of how I deal with it. Um, If I'm being perfectly honest, I don't, I haven't, I haven't had the need to go see a therapist, um, but maybe I should. And it's something I'm more than willing to check out, you know, Mm -hmm. I highly recommend knowing other people that have gone to it, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I've like, I've all the things. What's that?
1: Does that answer the question?
0: It does. It does. Um, And And I agree, like I've done sort of all the things that you've talked about, like, you know, talk to someone about it or, or take, I'm not big on like medication. So like you said, you know, natural things. The other two things that I, that I noticed is the, the, the less I consume alcohol, the better I feel. And I'm like a, I used to be like a four to five hour per night sleep guy. and was like, oh, that's all I need. And I feel great at four or five hours, you know, and realized, uh, the, or we went on vacation, we went to Hawaii and I slept every night for like 15 hours. <laughs> and I was like, maybe I should be getting more sleep. And so I started sleeping eight hours a day and the anxiety is like almost gone. Wow. Which is nuts.
1: I, I can't do anything to sleep more than six. Really? At six, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm wide awake. You know, it doesn't kind of when, I'm, when we're home and we're not touring much, or flight aids or whatever it may be. I mean, if, I'm, if I go to bed by 11 or 12, I'm usually up by 6.30 or 7. There's yeah. just may, maybe seven hours, you yeah. know I was mean?
0: And I was like yeah. a, like a six-hour like, alarm clock guy because I just wow. wanted to get up. And I was like, because I want to get stuff done and, and yeah. you know, whatever. And then little did I know that my body was like, no, oh, we need to be sleeping.
1: <laughs> and that, that helped with the anxiety.
0: Totally. Omo- almost got rid of it all.
1: Wow, that's great! Just that's changing that's that. Like, that's that. Yeah, that's that's the goal, you know. And I think a lot of us probably don't. Well, I know I do. I I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to my body, and it was telling me things, you know. Like I also used to be really fat, and I'm sure that that, like, sorry, that's a mean way to say it. I used to be really overweight, mm-hmm. and and I'm sure that that had a lot to play in like my psychological well being, and um, I I would almost dare to say that. Being able to in a way control that and and be on top of that has definitely helped me a big time. I can't imagine with the amount of pressure some of these like situations, you know, like the the T V show stuff or a big tour or something like that and and being overweight in that sense where I was, um, I I don't even know how those two would have existed.
0: Right. Like And I would imagine it, it your stamina's a- your stamina's better, you feel better, like you have more energy and yeah. all that. especially on stage when you're sweating under lights and you know
1: (laughs) yeah 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 absolutely
0: so what about the imposter syndrome side of things when Mm. because that is like I I think like I don't know anyone who doesn't have that or doesn't you know doesn't think about it at least
1: yeah I think for me I often I often think about it, but more in a passive way. And I don't necessarily feel it like I don't belong here. It's more of like, why do I belong here? If that makes sense. Mm. Like, why am I here? Like, I think everybody works their t- Again, everybody works their tell-offs that they're playing is never the issue, right? So then you're there and you're like, okay, I belong here, but why do I belong here? And um, I think for me, I just always remind myself like, Okay, you worked your butt off. You came from this. These are all the things. Like I just constantly, um, tell the imposter syndrome that it's not there. Right. Um, and I I just heard this um thing on NPR. It was this little girl, and she had all these like um fears, right? And they kind of would take over. Um, and she'd be obsessive over it. And she went to this camp and at the camp. They're like, okay, well, the next time you feel a certain way. Why don't you say, okay, I feel a certain way because the truth is you don't. Right. And so recently when I felt that, um, I heard this like right before we did the last TV thing and I was sitting and I was like, oh, don't screw this up, dude. You know, like I let myself do that. And I was like, you know what? Who cares? Screw yourself up. It doesn't matter. Right. Like, like, what are you going to get fired because you dropped the stick or, you know, like maybe, but then you don't belong there and that's then okay. whatever. Yeah. 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 And that's fine. and so. But I've always kind of done that. I've always kind of been like, oh, you know, whatever. Like, so I screwed up.
2: <laughs> you know, <Right>.
1: like, fine. <laughs> yeah. Or like, I don't belong here. Like, okay, I don't belong here. Great. Thank you for letting me know, but I'm still here. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's what I tell myself all the time. Like, okay, you don't belong here. Great. Thank you, dude. Now I got to do my job. Right.
0: <laughs> Even whatever you don't belong here. Yeah. But you're you're here and you got a job to do. Yeah, so. I'm here.
1: Yeah, I'm here. So like,
0: <laughs> get over uh, it.
2: <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. Thanks, brain.
0: Right.
2: Uh, right.
1: Yeah. There's sorry. I, I can be so like hot uh, black and white on things sometimes that I'm like. The older I get, the more I'm like, well, that's dumb, dude. Come on. Yeah. I, and it's a struggle. I and I understand it because I do. I do feel that. I and I. Not that I do, but I have felt that way at times. But I think, um, again, if you keep feeding it and saying like, yeah, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. Eventually, your like logic kicks in. And you're like, no, I'm here. You right. know? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, if I'm like working on some like crazy-ass chop thing, okay, cool. Come in, imposter syndrome. Tell me how terrible I am. Tell me how I don't belong right now. Because it's true. And that is a real thing, which only... Allows me to say I'm going to work through this,
0: right, right. I th- you know it's interesting because, it, and like I want to say this gently because I don't because I'm probably going to say and you're like what no, but I think <laughs> that I think that a lot of times we make everything. I mean I know a lot of times we all make things a lot more complicated than they need to be, and that gets in our way a lot. And there's paralysis by analysis and everything, and I think if you I think if you look back at like how you've built your career that if you look back you would probably say it was it was simple. It wasn't easy, mm. but it was simple, right? Like I it's like head down, worked hard, like did everything that all the people said that you should do and then you sort of arrive at this situation and I think when what what derails so many people is that they overcomplicate everything and they and inst- and and a lot of times it's like i think they're they're overcomplicating it to somehow like try to avoid the work and mm, yeah. and it's like and it's like how am i ever going to get to that point where i'm like touring or doing sessions or working with you know uh higher caliber people and and all that and it's like and we compl- we we create all these things in our head where it's like if you just put your head down and just did the work on a consistent basis day in and day out And you would arrive there and like, I feel that even with starting Drummer's Resource and I was like, all right, how do I, how do I grow this thing? It's like, just put your head down and do the work. Like, don't think about it. Don't like create all these roadblocks that don't really exist. And looking back, I'm kind of like, it was pretty simple. It wasn't easy. (laughs) It was not easy by any stretch. And I put in a lot of hard work, but like conceptually, it was pretty easy. It was pretty simple, I should say. Do you, feel, yeah, I, do you feel that same way, like looking back?
1: Yeah, yeah I think, you know, I, there was definitely, there has to be some sort of like, uh, I guess the thing that first comes to mind is like street savviness to it. Like mm-hmm. you have to, you have to be able to see that there's an opportunity right in front of you. And a lot of times people aren't good at that. A lot of times we'll let things just fly right by them. And then they sit back and then go, oh, I never made it you know, or, Oh, I never did it. And that's happened to me too. You know, like I, I have definitely like been in a room with somebody who could have furthered my career at some point, And I just didn't go say hi. Or I, I came off like a jerk or right. I, I wasn't, you know, like I, that happens. But a lot of times the older I've gotten, and obviously the, the more experience you get at this, and the more times you realize you're doing it, You start seeing that opportunity directly in front of you. And all you have to do is go touch it. It's like right there, you know? Yeah. Um, And uh, I think that's often overlooked more so than like, I'm going to sit down and just like work on this thing, you know, drumming wise or work on this thing life wise.
0: Yeah. I remember, I remember my old, drumming mentor was like you like where you are now and getting a gig with Eric Clapton is probably a lot closer than you think and I was like oh wow that's you know and I was like to me you know and I was like obviously I didn't play with Eric Clapton but um, (laughs) but just like you know when you when you look at things like that I think that from when you're far away from these things they seem so much further away than they actually are. And it's really just like, Oh, it might, you might just be like a couple relationships away, or you may be a couple gigs away from this other thing. And it's instead of like someone just knocking on your door and being like, Hey, do you want to go join this tour? Even, you know, with you, with Andy, and we'll talk about like how you got that gig. Yeah. Um, but I think it becomes overwhelming and, and cripples people.
1: Yeah. I, I, there's a, the college that I went to, I, the college I went to is is probably 10 minutes away from where I live. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mentor still teaches there. And one of my close friends kind of runs the program there, but every once in a while they'll send over uh, some of the younger guys to my house in the studio. And, you know, I give them a lesson. A lot of times I just end up talking to them. Right. Because I go, look, you clearly can play the drums. That's not the issue. Mm-hmm. The issue is how you're, you're going about your business, how you're, how you're selling yourself or how you are presenting yourself or how you're misrepresenting yourself more importantly, uh to the people around you. And we end up just sitting and talking. And a lot of times I'm like, man, just be a nice person. You know, it goes right. back to it, like, be a <laughs> right. nice person. Just like be nice. Right. Like, like I just told you, like there was this kid I had in here. I won't, uh, I'm trying to remember what he did, but he played something. And one of the things I do in these lessons here is I go like, okay, we're going to make up a song. uh, And I'm just going to throw, because this has happened, right? We've all been in a situation where somebody goes like, it's a verse, it's a chorus, there's a break on two. And uh, give me a feel going into the last two choruses, right? Like we've all been in a similar type of situation. And so I spit all these things out at these kids. And then I'll say, don't play any 16th notes, right? Mm -hmm. So this kid plays this whole song and he gets to the last part and he plays a 16th note. And I go, see, that's the difference between you and I. That's it. The only difference is that you didn't pay attention. You're not better than me. I'm not better than you. I just pay attention. So when somebody says, can you do this? I do it the first time. And I would argue that guys like Vinny, guys like Aaron Sterling, guys like Steve Gadd, the first time they hear something, they play it the way they they were told to do it. Mm -hmm. That's my argument. I don't know only seen those guys work a little bit. And usually by the first time it's 95, if not a hundred percent there.
0: Yeah. Yep. And I and, go,
1: that's it. That's the difference. It's 5%. You know? And, like, and
0: what does Steve, and, you know, Steve God always says like, uh, he's like, I'm in the service business. Exactly. You know,
1: Exactly. there's no difference between us and a waiter. Right. There really isn't, you know? Yeah. I um, mean, imagine
0: if you went to a restaurant and they, and <laughs> they, you were like, "Look, I want this. I want this sandwich with no cheese on it, right?" And they're like, "Okay." And they bring it over, and they're like, "I know you said no cheese, but I just put a little cheese on there because I thought you would like it."
1: Exactly.
0: And, and you you're know, like, well, dude, situations- that's not what I ordered.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And a lot, there are situations where I would dare to say that adding the cheese is probably fine, but <laughs> for right. the most part, keep your cheese to yourself.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean. I- It's a, uh, it's interesting to say it that way about how, you know, that is the, that's the differentiator, right? Yeah. And, and I think that, I think that's what a lot of people see where even when you go out and see people play or whatever, and they're phenomenal they could play upside down and backwards and through their legs and with their feet and all this other crazy shit. And you're like, how is this person not having any gigs? And it's like, because they can play everything upside down, backwards through their, you know, through their legs and with their feet but they can't play a groove or Mm. they can't take instruction well, or they can't get there on time, or they can't, you know, they can't play a shuffle or they can't swing or they can't do this or they can't do that. And, and that I I agree, man, like those, those little nuances are the difference between, you know, playing with Shandy Ammer or playing with Andy Grammer, (laughs) you know?
1: (laughs) Oh man, that's funny. That reminds me of a time where some, we were playing at some venue and somebody put an R in front of, uh, <laughs> in front of his name. And it, I think somebody <laughs> just, you know, it was just funny. It was all over the place it that Randy grammar. Thing. Nice. And so we, we, we never let that one down. Nice. But, um, yeah, I honestly, I would dare, I swear. I think the only difference between even, you know, people that are successful and our heroes is 5%. That's it. You mm-hmm. know, and that 5% maybe is like, uh, a, a, A god given or uh, too many hours in a practice room type of thing, but um, who you know at some point everybody can sit down in a practice room and practice something until they get it. So that other
0: five percent though is that? Do you think that is intangible? That just is is sort of just like the magic, or do you think that that, those are all things that people can work on?
1: It uh, what is that? What's that quote? Uh, Luck is when opportunity and
0: preparation uh, meet
1: prep yeah yeah that's all i think it is you know i really do think so especially when it comes to music like um, you and i can probably play on a record or you know whoever might be listening to this can play on a record and uh it can be a number one hit that's easy that's mm-hmm. not hard what's hard is that preparation leading up to that right right uh and then that is lucky when that becomes a number one hit you know mm-hmm. something like that right yeah.
0: I mean, I think that you're a prime example of that with the the song that you guys wrote for the Apple commercial.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the funny thing is I didn't even write that. That's the crazy part, right? Like, I was just in the room. I played my drum part, and then we needed some vocals, and I just happened to be a part of that. Like, that is like, to me, I still talk to the guys that were involved with that about all the time. I'm like, man, what if we just left? What if we just went home
2: yeah (laughs) you know
1: we wouldn't be there for that and that that legitimately changed my life right i went from you know like decent living to whatnot to. it bought me a house money you know that's crazy insane that's crazy talk that if you're listening to this that never happens that that is that five percent right five percent wasn't even playing it was just being in a room being okay with knowing that I was just going to hang out and, and maybe play some percussion overdubs. And then it just so happened that we needed some hand claps and some vocals.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> it's wild. And the other 95% is the, how many, you know, thousands of other tunes you've participated in or played on or wrote or sang exactly. on or this or that, that like, you know, ended up in the trash can. Right. It's like, exactly. that's, that's the, that's the, uh, the law of averages. Right
1: yeah and and to, if i'm being perfectly honest if i remember correctly the idea for the beat came from the intro to a diana ross live concert where there was two drummers playing and we wanted to recreate that which you know happens all the time like somebody would throw a reference out and i was like okay cool so you know we did that and then we were just hanging out it's it's wild to me you know
0: yeah it is wild. It feels so wild This episode is 100% free thanks to the good folks at Promark. And have you checked out their new Select Balance drumsticks? So they give you the option of picking a forward balance or a rebound balance. So if you play rock or country or metal, you may want to check out the forward balance so it gives you enhanced power and speed. Or the rebound balance for jazz and funk and gospel gives you more finesse and agility. The best part is they're made by Promark and they control the entire process from the forest to the finished drumstick, which means you get unmatched level of quality and consistency. Plus, they're always paired by weight and by pitch, so you know there is no guesswork in the stick that you're playing. Check them out by going to promark.com. So the new Sonar SQ1s, yeah, they're sick. They're made out of birch, and the reason why they made them out of birch is because birch has a balanced low, mid, and high range, so they sound great in the studio, and they also sound great live. They also have a sound sustainer system. It's a new mounting hardware, and it's rubber on metal, and what that does is it completely separates the mounting hardware from the wooden shell, so you're going to get an amazing tonal quality out of these drums. They actually got that from the automotive industry. That's where they learned about this technology. Not only that, I'm a car lover, so this is super cool to me. The colors and style of legendary car classics were the inspiration for the color selection of the SQ-1. So there are four matte lacquer finishes that you can choose from. So not only do they sound good, they also look good too. Check them out by going to sonar.com. (laughs) I mean, I love, I love stories like this too, but like, but here's the, I think the, the story in this that I'm, that I really pay attention to is like, okay, you guys didn't go in and write one song and walked into Apple and gave it to them. And that was it. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's like,
0: it's, it's like, that was one of the many, 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 many things that you guys were working on. Or it's like, you know, you don't, you don't play one gig. And don't get picked up. <clears throat> excuse me for a big tour, and then say, oh, "This maybe this thing isn't for me. Maybe this isn't working." Right. It's like you just gotta, you gotta put all that. You gotta put the time in. You gotta keep throwing things against the wall, and and eventually something is gonna stick because you're gonna get good. You're gonna learn from your mistakes. You're gonna make different connections. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do that. Right. Then something fact, pops.
1: And and you know, like all those guys, that, that and the girl that was a part of that are are very successful in what they do. You know, even more so than I will ever be. And uh, I'm only excited for their success, you know, because we all literally came from the same place. We all were in a room together thinking like, hey, this is a really cool song. This is a really cool thing. Uh, let's let's make this as good as possible. And then that thing hit. And then everybody, you know, by that point, we weren't even in a band together. We weren't doing anything. We were just kind of um, doing our own things. And that thing hit. Like it was like uh like, oh my gosh, this is back, you know? Right. Um I guess we should give a little background to what happened. Um so I forget what year it was, but I I was recording with this artist named uh Rafferty, his name's Cameron. And the producer's a guy named Tyler Johnson, the guitar player he was also the producer is a guy named Doug Showalter, keyboard player uh, Peter Dyer, who's like now uh, one of the keyboard players on american idol uh the bass player is this girl amazing bass player named bonnet Hafar. she's like i think she moved back east and she's doing like the the modular synth thing and she's fantastic at that right mm-hmm. so this guy cameron this artist was just kind of writing songs and he needed a band and we played some live shows and we did some stuff and then the original content between him and uh doug and and tyler started happening and they needed somebody to come play and i was already involved so i just did it you know and we recorded this song called apple pie and literally you know hung around that day hung around another day i think we did another song or two and then we played some more shows and then it kind of fizzled out and then uh i was by this point already touring with andy i was sitting at home and i remember this i was sitting on my couch and the uh, watching the Apple keynote thing. And they're like, here's our new phone. And now here's a commercial for it. And as soon as I heard the beat, I knew it was me. Wow. I just knew. I was like, holy shit, that's me. Already cool. That's awesome. Like, I'm more than ha- Like, I'm a huge fan of all their stuff. I give them too much of my damn money.
2: Like <laughs> Me too. You know
1: what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I I think a lot of us do. And I was like, this is already cool. Like, I'm more than excited about this already. And, you know, the, the whole song plays. It's like, a, you know, they obviously cut it or something. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. And then sure enough, emails start pouring in. Please sign this. Please sign this. Please sign this. Please sign this. And so I what like, did they do? I
0: guess they picked it up and we're like, we're just going to play this. And we're Apple. We have so much money. We'll just pay them when the time comes.
1: Yeah, I, from my understanding, uh the song had been in a pool with an advertising company and then that advertising company got the contract with Apple, they picked that song. It just worked out, um <laughs> you know, and all we were signing was legal stuff, which is, you know, normal tax stuff and whatever. Right, right, right. But, and I actually didn't make any money for playing drums on it. That's the best part about it. I made money because I sang background vocals on it, and we all did. And so we, we, uh, it went, you know, when you, when you sing on a song and it goes to TV or the internet now,
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: you get residuals from that or performance royalties. Uh, and so for about a year, we got performance royalties for every time it played on TV and it was
0: wild, you know, (laughs) it was just wild. So did you get a this, like, I? the reason why I'm asking this is because <laughs> I, I've been talking online uh, or like on, on Instagram and stuff like that about how I want to make sure that we're talking about like the business side of things as well. Oh, so, yeah. So you obviously got paid to do the session or you did not? I did. Right. I did. Um. So you do the session, you get paid for it. And then. Yeah. Do you get did you get a lump sum when Apple picked it up and then residuals? Or is it just like, hey, it played no. it played a hundred times, here's a check. It played a hundred times, here's a check. Like that kind of vibe. Yeah, it
1: was kinda of like that. It was that kind of vibe. And uh because it went uh, national, you know, uh at one point I got really into the weeds of how it works, right? And how mm-hmm. you're getting paid. But certain markets have to pay a certain amount and whatever. So, you know, on any given day, you know, that that commercial would play maybe up to a hundred times in a day.
2: Right. Sometimes it would
1: play one time. So sometimes you check you'd get a check, you know, one would be for a lot of money and one would be for two dollars. Mm-hmm. Um and it, that's just how it worked. Almost it was hilarious at some point there was I probably had like a stack of twenty some checks and they were all for like a dollar fifty. Which was <laughs> hilarious, right? <laughs> but you, you know it's uh, and you'd go to the bank and they think you're trying to do fraud. and uh, it's, It was just all these funny things would happen because of it. But yeah, it was, it was one of those things where the artist could have easily said it was all him. Mm-hmm. And he could have just pocketed a ton of money, right? That could have been fine. And honestly, he could have, because we weren't expecting anything. As far as his conscience goes, he had paid us for the session and right. that's, fair, in my opinion. But I think when they asked who's a part of this, he gave our names, and he was honest, and he took care of us. And um, because of that, you know, it it went to the unions, and the unions have certain rates that they have to pay you. And yeah, like again, it it was change-my-life kind of money, which was awesome.
0: And that is... There, I mean that's amazing that the artist did that as well,
1: exactly that's rare, but i I you know I feel like I've always worked for people that have been that way right, and maybe maybe it's just because I watch my dad and my parents go through so many interactions where that might have not happened for them, so maybe I'm a little more alert for that. You know what I mean,
2: mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I
1: feel like you have this discernment that can happen because of it, and um. I have definitely worked for somebody who was like, "Oh, you're shady." Right. I'm stepping out after this gig, yeah. You know, and yep. who knows? Maybe if I stuck around, they could have had something similar to that. You know.
0: Yeah. So how how does how does it work with? Uh, you were saying you got into the weeds about about how this stuff works. Um, can you explain hmm. it a little bit? Back? I'm just thinking this is like super useful yeah, yeah, information yeah, yeah. for anyone so, who does this sort of thing.
1: So, um as far as my understanding goes, and it's been probably four years since I really cared about this. So uh, my, this goes as a disclaimer that I could be totally wrong and the rates could totally change. Right. Um, let's say we'll use, uh, any example, we'll use a song. Uh, Mary had a little lamb. Mary had a little lamb gets picked up to go on to be the music for Colgate. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colgate is advertising their new toothpaste. Um, there is a lump sum that is paid to the production of that. So whoever the advertising company makes money, right? That advertising company is responsible to pay the producers and the writers of that song. Great. Now, all the performance stuff gets paid out because of the networks and because of SAG-AFTRA. And they've established, like... Whatever those rates may be, so we'll say it's a dollar, so every time that thing airs, the network is going to pay um I forget the name of the company, but there's a company that kind of handles all this mm-hmm. and they pay them, they take their little bit and then they pay you so from that dollar, you might walk away with fifty cents, got you for performing just mm-hmm. for performing. um. Now you multiply that times a thousand. Now you made some money. Yeah. And now now it gets even more into the weeds where you go, okay, well, this played another hundred times only and prime time only on uh the big four national networks. So that'll be like a five to one pay rate or something crazy like that, right? Or like the Super Bowl. They paid so much money to have something on the Super Bowl. Okay, so now that that pay just went up, it went from a dollar to twenty five dollars, right? Um, am, am I am I losing you?
0: Nope, no, 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 not at all.
1: Okay, cool. so now that those twenty five dollars, that company still only takes that one percent that they take or whatever, that fifty percent whatever it might mm-hmm. be, right? So now, as the performer, you're walking away with even more money, right? So as far as I knew, every market was different. So Los Angeles, New York, you know, the big cities were all very similar. Um, but if you were playing at prime time, it would, you know, sometimes be three to one or five to one or ten to one, you know, depending on the, on what it was. And then you'd get into like, uh, you know, like we were just in Des Moines, Iowa. So I remember like in Des Moines, Iowa, you know, it might be like a quarter percent of even one, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, just because they knew they weren't going to reach that many people there, Right. And then there was the international side of this where, you know, it, when it played in Japan, it was a certain amount that was already predictated by the unions. Um, and I think a lot of this is specific to your project. So I would, it's all public information. You can go find it. Right. Um, yeah.
0: So do you, were,
1: I, I was just trying to figure out like, why, why is it this, you know, why is it this much or why is it this little from certain things or.
0: Yeah. And yeah. are you, was that through the union or was that through like ASCAP EMI and uh, or go, or, that was, or does it go through SAG go too?
1: Yeah, it was going through SAG. So all the performance stuff was going through SAG Got you. Uh, because but, it was a vocal
0: thing. Yeah. Did you have to be a SAG member?
1: I did not. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I did not because it was reported to SAG. Now I paid my dues, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, and I think at some point I had to become a member, uh, but yeah, I I remember I remember yeah, I actually remember having to send in my dues and then also be a part of it.
0: Gotcha, uh, and I still am. But yeah, this, it's super interesting. To me, I've never yeah, you know, I've written. It's wild. I don't know, I've I've writing and co writing credits on probably a thousand, I don't maybe not a thousand, but a lot seven hundred and some songs, but like never really got anything placed, so I don't know that world at all. So it's really interesting to me of like yeah. what it what it means like from a monetary perspective and like and just and how the whole thing works and like yeah, because and
1: obviously this is a very, very unique situation. This was right. you know, the, the biggest company on earth, right? Apple. you know what I mean at like the height I actually don't think they've ever sold as many iPhones as they to this day since that one year so you know I would say the song did it (laughs) (laughs) I don't know man (laughs) that beat's really contagious but it's not that contagious Uh, but uh, yeah you can hear me yelling at the at the microphone but no uh, I would I would dare to say that that was a very very unique thing and that that probably doesn't really exist often. maybe that's like once a year for one artist.
0: Right.: um, But I've there are others. definitely songwriters who write for placement.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm a part of some stuff where, you know I'll, I'll play drums and I'll get like a, a few percent on something else. And I actually have a friend who owns a company who does placements, and I know they're just down the middle, you know, so if they make right. 100 bucks, you make 50 bucks, and that's just it. You know, mm-hmm. and there's there's no complaints about it. You're responsible for your paying your own taxes on it. Um, you know that's that's just how it works. And I actually know of this song being used in other situations where it's been the same thing. Where actually I didn't see any money for it, but the producers did, um, and that's because they own the song, right. and that's fine. And I'm yeah. cool with that. You know, I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's part of me that's like, ah, oh, screw that, man. I want to make more money, but it's like eh, whatever. Money comes and goes. <laughs>
0: yeah. It does. <laughs> you know? Would would you urge people <laughs> yeah. to try to lean into to being an owner of the, the tunes that they're working on as much as possible or at least, you know, getting points or getting credits or, or something like um,
1: that? I you know, I don't know. Because I think so often people get weird about that stuff. I, I think yeah, it when it get happens, happens it happens naturally, right? Like, hey, I don't have any money to pay you uh would you be cool with a few points on this song yeah right. of course in fact i just had that happen um not too long ago this guy paid me for a session and uh he didn't have a ton of money and i've i've known him since college and i was like yeah of course dude like i'll do it for a 100 bucks not to say that a 100 bucks is not enough money A 100 bucks is a lot of money um you know if you think about it that's that's a lot of people can do a lot of damage with a hundred bucks, right. you know? <laughs> um, so I was like, yeah, of course. And then the, the song is finally out and he calls me and he's like, Hey, I feel bad that I couldn't give you more money. So this is recently, this is like right before the new year. He's like, I feel bad that I can only give you a hundred bucks the songs out. I actually signed a deal and we use one of these songs. Uh, are you cool if I give you a couple points? And I was like, sure, that's cool. Like, I don't mind. Yeah. You know, thank you. You didn't have to do that. Thank you. Right. You right. know, but I think if I was like from the get go, like, hey man, like, you know, a hundred bucks isn't going to cut it. I need like five points, five percent, you know, like, I don't think he'd be cool with that.
2: Right. I, right. Right. Neg- right. Yeah.
0: Uh, and just like, if anyone's listening and they're wondering what points are, so they're called out. Al- they're like album points and their percentage ownership of whatever song it is that you worked on. So it's not a percentage of the total money that you're going to make or that, that the album is going to make. But if, if you know, there's a song uh, that you play on and they say, we're going to give you five points. You now own 5% of that song, or they may give you five points on the whole record or, you know, which is rare unless you had something to do with every single song on the record. Um, so that's what, that's what points are. Yeah. And I would clear that yeah. up.
1: We're, we're talking like everybody and their mom knows. Uh,
0: and th- I mean, and there's a, I, th- frankly, like there's a lot of this that, that I don't know. Uh, like I understand the points side of things and, and ownership of songs and stuff like that, but not from a, from a placement side, like if, it, you know, sync licensing, if it gets picked up for a television show or a commercial or, or anything, but that's like, that's real world stuff that's happening every day. And people are making some money at it and some people are making a lot of money at it. And I I don't, yeah, I think it's a valuable, I think it's a valuable route uh as like a, as a, as an income stream. If you can, if you can really get good at it and you work with someone who's really good at placements, you can get, build those relationships. If you're a songwriter or, or you have a songwriting group, like that's something that can, that can definitely, you know, yield some dividends for sure.
1: Absolutely. One dollar is always more than no dollars. Exactly. That's, that's something my friend Gino always told me. He was like, dude, a dollar is always worth more than no dollars. Yep. And it makes sense, you know? 50 and, you per-
0: know or 50% I, of something is better than 100% of nothing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I just uh, I just heard uh, Gunnar Olsen talking about,
0: you know, he writes a lot of music for
1: Placement, right? Him mm-hmm. and his, he's in a group that does that. And he was like, no, as long as you do it and you're honest about it, th- th- honest about your art with it, yeah, It's fine. You know, you're not selling out. You yeah. know, I know a lot of people that are like, I don't want my stuff on the commercial. It's like, it's like, shut up, man. Let that thing, let that thing pay your mortgage or your apartment for a month. You know, yeah. like that's what you make. I mean, how much money do friends- you think?
0: Go ahead. You no, go ahead. Uh, you go. I was just going to say about bare naked Ladies, like how much money do you think they made off oh, of writing the theme song for Big Bang Theory?
1: Millions.
0: Yeah, they probably, probably more than millions. they made in their, in their regular career <laughs> I bet
1: yeah and they never had to perform it yeah um yeah so like just take it you
0: know and they're Good. still getting checks because that there's all the reruns and all and and Rick Murata wrote uh the theme song for everyone loves Raymond
1: no way he did. oh that? yeah yeah oh my gosh yeah I wonder he oh my gosh
0: well, yeah that's why wow. he's like has a house in you know on Nantucket and all this other <laughs> stuff like it made you know like made him rich
1: Yeah. I mean, I have friends who write music for Facebook, you know, and, and, and he has an amazing studio, you know, and like, clearly that was bought by Facebook. And I know he doesn't feel bad about the music because the music's actually really good. Right. So, so yeah, there's, there's ways to make money not ever having to play drums. If, you know, if that's an option that you're willing to do.
0: Yep. I agree, man. man. I think that like, I don't know if I can write something and it got picked up and they're going to send me mailbox money. I'd be like, I'm totally fine with that.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, who, who are they I talking to recently? They, they got something placed on like the end of a TV show and it was like enough money to pay his apartment for the whole year. So he just paid his apartment for the whole year and he still works on music, you know? So that way he's not like spending all this cash on random things. He's just like taking care of himself and, his family and he's doing all right yeah
0: yeah don't turn down the money kids no I no, mean no, unless no. it's something I mean, obviously that's unethical or you don't feel comfortable with but like for yeah. the most part if someone's gonna pay you to play music then you should say yes
1: yeah I, I mean I know another guy who wrote music for porn he didn't even know he was writing it for porn <laughs> but they were like kind of do it like this and so he did it all right and he made
0: some money you yeah. know whatever
1: well yeah man <laughs>
0: Gotta do it. You gotta do what you gotta do. Exactly. Um, so, talk to me about some some stuff that you have going on now. Like, what are some of the? I know that you're obviously on tour with with Andy Grammer, um, and you've been. I mean, you've been with him for how long? Like thirteen years or something? How long? Are you oh
1: man, yeah, I'm twelve. Twelve uh, years. Yeah. No, I've been playing with him consistently for five years.
0: Five uh, years.
1: Subbed, yeah, five years, and I subbed about six or seven years ago once which is like now that i know all the pieces that were moving at the time it's hilarious to think how it ended up Mm -hmm. just because like like andy's drummer was subbing out to go audition with somebody and then that guy was you know getting fired from one gig the guy that he was subbing for to audition like it was just like a whole now when i look back i'm like oh wow like another like all the parts were moving at the exact perfect time right. and then they stopped and it all went back <laughs> and then flash forward like six months later they all moved again and it worked for everyone everyone ended up working crazy crazy awesome like it, it just worked awesomely for everybody you nice. know? yeah so i've been with him for five years and, and he's a great dude i mean yeah i don't know if people know this but you've actually worked with him yeah you know yep Not musically, but you, is it your company that Mm -hmm. does something with this podcast?
0: Yeah. So we produced, uh, like, we launched his podcast for him. Uh, Okay. So I have a company called Revoice Media and we do, we're a podcast production company. So, um, cool. They, it's interesting. Like, when you talk about things aligning, like the way that that came together, uh, I was, I've like been entertaining this idea of like talent management or, or athlete representation. And all, cause I think it all falls under the same thing. It's all entertainment to me. Um, and to a lot of other people. And I wanted to talk to Ben who is Andy's manager, as you know, um, is, is Andy's manager. So I wanted to talk to him about sort of like the management side of the business and all that kind of stuff. And we just hopped on the phone and, and ended up chatting for a little while. And we started talking about podcasts and he's like, Andy wants to start a podcast. And I said, well, well, Coincidentally, I have a podcast production company and, uh, and you know, the rest is history, but it's like, you know, all the, it's preparation and opportunity. Right. So if I was like, um, I I felt confident to be, to say, Hey, we can help you launch this because one, like I started this podcast, we've started other people's podcasts. I've been in this, the podcasting industry for a long time. Um, so then we launched that, we launched that podcast with them, produced the first 11 episodes, Um, and then, uh, and then that was it. So like we, they, they took it in house. I believe you were doing some of the work on it as well. Um, I know, I know that you were, um, yeah, it's just interesting. Like you're telling the story about how you got the gig and it's like, how did I end up working with Andy that, you know, is sort of like the same, like roundabout convoluted story. But I think that that's anything, right? I think that that's like when you you can connect as Steve jobs always said, you can connect the dots going backwards, but not going forward. Like you look back and you're like, yeah. I can see how this whole thing lined up. Never would have been able to plan this.
1: Oh yeah. 100%. A uh, 100%. Like, um, just even how I got the Andy Grammer gig. Like, uh, I've known his MD since I was 13. Right. So, and I played with him often, like, we were playing a church gig when he was 18 and I was 13. You know what I mean? Right. So, so I've known him for years and then it just him saying, him saying to Andy's old drummer, Hey, uh, I know you got to sub some stuff on this other gig, throw it to E-Man. E-Man should be great for this. Uh, and then being good enough to go do that and, and do a really good job at it. Um, to them, him feeling comfortable. This is Mike Baker. If you don't know who Mike is, go, go, he plays with Gavin DeGraw now, but
2: mm-hmm.
1: he's one of the, my favorite drummers because uh, he's just like, he's just a, when he plays, like, there's just a thickness to his playing. Anyways, that's just who me was, getting into it. Who
0: was mind. playing with Gavin DeGraw before Mike?
1: Uh, I think it was Ian, Ian O'Neill. Mm. And then before that, it was somebody else. And I, I don't, I wish I knew who it was, um, but Ian, I think now plays with Lady Annabellum. Mike plays with it was like all these weird things right um maybe I'm wrong I don't know but yeah so I subbed on this thing with Cody Simpson for Mike Baker probably in 2012 2011 and then he asked me to sub for Andy at some point and uh, I went into that like no rehearsals cold here's here's our last show learn it you know kind of thing and uh it worked out it was great (laughs) <laughs> you don't, right. but it was, again, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, I'm here. Just do a really good job. You're not taking anybody's gig. You're just subbing. You know, that's all you're doing. Mm-hmm. So there was even like n- no pressure. It that's really a, was no pressure.
0: That is a very, very important distinction that if you get hired to sub on a gig, do not go in there trying to take that person's gig. 100%. That was
1: never my goal.
0: And, and that's how you burn a lot of bridges. Like,
1: yeah, and you know, I think maybe somebody would be upset, right? That like, oh, he came in and he was really good. But it's like, that's just what I would do on anything. You call me to go do something else, I'm going to go and be really good. And I'll always play like I play. Like, at no point will I play differently. I mean, I'll try and make it a little smoother, you know? Like, if I notice like uh, how he's hitting something or how he's phrasing things, okay, I'll do that, but I'm not... You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times... People don't. uh, People aren't aware of those things that are happening,
2: right?
0: In somebody's
1: playing, that could help the gig just be easier. And you know, that's just how it worked out.
0: I think it was a good fit.
1: Yeah, yeah, it just worked out, and um, yeah, it's been five years. Holy crap! (laughs) It's crazy.
0: So, what do you have on? What do you have on tap with him for twenty twenty? So, I'm guessing you'll be. You'll be touring, and then are you, do you have other projects that you're working on too?
1: Uh, well, I have a studio here at my house. Uh, my dad and I did the LA thing and gutted my garage, and I have a very nice studio that I work out of here. Uh, I do a lot of a lot of stuff for, you know, TV. I did some stuff for Andy on his last record here. Um, you know, I I try to be in here every day, regardless if I'm playing or not, for mm-hmm. somebody else. And just honing in my craft i'm I'm fortunate that like my brother is a badass recording engineer, so I often just float ideas at him, or you know concept sounds, whatever uh so it's it's nice to have somebody go like, "Hey, that sounds like shit, dude, right my- <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's okay um I do so a lot of that here, um I think we're slowing down a little bit this year, to be honest mm-hmm. uh he has a kid their second child coming mm-hmm. uh, sometime in March or April. Uh but then after that, who knows? I mean, last year around this time there was not much on the books either and then a uh, number one hit
0: happened. Well, so that'll get know. that'll get everybody off the couch, right?
1: Exactly. You know, honestly, I, I've been working with him for 5 years, right? And in those 5 years, I think the longest break I've ever had was 8 weeks and that was the last time he had a kid.
0: Hmm. <laughs> it's wild to
1: think and that. it's not even it's and
0: a, eight weeks isn't very long
1: no but for yeah. us it is yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah but it's it's honestly been uh also a huge blessing and i get to work with my close friends you know up until recently everybody in that camp um the keyboard player the guitar player uh obviously the bass player i had known since before college so oh really
0: um, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize I that. I knew that you played with the MD. I didn't know you, that you played with all of them.
1: Yeah, I think I met the keyboard player when I was in college, the old keyboard player, it's mm-hmm. uh, kind named Doug. And then uh, the guitar player, uh, his, game, his name is Greg uh, Karras. Him and I met in high school at some point, And then shortly into college, um, we played with this like Latin artist and we did like, uh we we're really young, and <laughs> we we went to Miami and had a fun time in Miami. I mean we were probably like seventeen or eighteen i can't, we couldn't have been older than twenty uh yeah so i've known I knew him forever uh and then the new guys are guys that I've also known for a long time, and they they fit like
0: a glove, so nice it's
1: it's yeah it's a family vibe it's a family vibe.
0: I like it. How so, about
1: you what are you doing this year
0: uh <laughs> I don't know who knows what when are
1: we day. saving this this is early january
2: all yeah.
0: right yeah i got a i got a a bunch of stuff on the on the horizon i don't i mean i you know we're trying to build we're still trying to build revoice and and we have a lot of stuff sort of in the hopper that uh that we're doing i want to obviously continue with drummer's resource and 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 roll out some different stuff i want to do some live stuff this year hopefully definitely oh, cool. with revoice maybe with drummer's resource um and then I don't know, I got some other things that I'm doing outside of music, so i'm I have some real estate investing that I'm getting involved in, and uh oh, that's rad, yeah, and I might get my uh my license to be a major league baseball player agent whoa, yeah,
1: that <laughs> nah, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> when you need to borrow a hundred bucks, you know where to go. Um, call email. No, that's awesome, man. (laughs) I don't have, I don't have Apple money. (laughs) Oh, neither do I. I'm sitting in it. Right. Um, Right. Yeah. No, I,
0: I mean, I think that it, it sounds like a real, like a far departure from what I'm doing now, but it all, it all ties into the way that we're thinking about revoice and, and it's an audio company, but moving forward it's it's just it's an entertainment company and and i think that every all of that stuff falls under entertainment like we were saying earlier so music sports entertainment that's all entertainment in one way shape or form and i don't necessarily want to get into managing bands uh only because i managed my own band for 15 years and like i know we put our manager (laughs) through too you know (laughs) so uh and it's just not something that like I I know that world so well, and I'm like ah, I don't, I don't want to do that. Um yeah. But to get in a little deeper with sports and stuff like that, I think it's something that that I'm and it's such a long road to do something like that. So, uh, mm. just you know, get it, take the test, get all that, and like and
1: no, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: and then awesome, then man. you got to like find a client and or you know many clients to represent and stuff like that. So I don't know, dude,
1: that's rad. No, that's rad. I mean, it. I often talk to people about this like uh, what what what's after music right like yeah. a lot of us a lot of us hit like the you know 36 37 40 year old uh, quota of life right and you're like well I can't really be touring the rest of my life I'm not going to be in sessions every day of my life what's next right? right and that's something I always ask myself and hopefully you know I have enough things going and enough uh, wheels turning now, That by the time I get to that point, music is still a big part of my life, but it might not necessarily be my, my income maker. Right. right. And I think that's, that's a fair thing. Just as fair as it is if is, you're trying to do this and you work at UPS. Right. I think that's equal,
0: you know, I, I, know. I agree with you. And I, you know, I think yeah. I, it'd be, I'd be interested to hear you talk about this too, because I've thought, you know, I've talked about this candidly and, And have talked to others about it as well. Like I always felt like if I was doing things outside of music, it was like sacrilegious and, and, Mm -hmm. and like the music gods were going to strike me down or like, or other people would be like, oh, he does other things other than music. He must not be, you know, whatever. He must not be as good as he thinks he is, or he must not be doing as well as he thinks claims to or whatever it is right And it's all this like bullshit that we tell ourselves where most of the time we're like no one really cares about what we're doing anyway um and like but like i've struggled with that for a while was like you know am i like abandoning music or anything like that and i'm like no i just want to do this in addition to not in right. re- in replacement of and that's that's sort right. of Like, do you, do you think about any of that stuff? Are you like, if I did something outside of music that I'm like, I almost like felt bad having other interests outside of music. You know, I
1: think when I was younger, it was like, if I don't do this, like a hundred percent, and if I don't try 100%, and if I don't give every living second of my life this, something's wrong with me, right? Like I, it's not cool. You're never going to make it right. And right. now I kinda wish I went back and, and maybe focused on some of the things maybe still in music where uh that would have benefited me now, right? Um but I I like I've what definitely what, what under- things like
0: learning the business side of the music business. Or- maybe
1: learn the business side, maybe maybe learning the audio side of it, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like those guys have longer careers, right? They might not be the quote unquote hot shit. Mm-hmm. You know mixing guy or the or the mastering guy or the engineer um but they definitely i mean you still hear about Al Schmidt doing things right right, right. you know, and so maybe there's a part of me that kind of has that, but at the same time, it's like, who cares you know instead of like taking you know those terrible, terrible fifty dollar gigs and nobody was there, and it was the same three people for seven months and you made 50 bucks, right? Maybe, what if you just got a job at Starbucks? Mm-hmm. You could have made the same money and then still gone and done those gigs at night, right? right? Probably would
0: have made more money. Um,
1: probably would have made more money. If you care about the money, right? If you care about your art, that's fine. And uh, I often struggle with like, how much of this is art and how much of it is
2: it just a,
1: you know, how much of it is art and how much isn't art? And mm-hmm. that's okay. I think that's okay to talk, like have that inner dialogue of like, okay, I'm aware this is not art. That's fine. This is a service, right? Right. I'm okay with that. I know there are people that don't feel that way, but I do, you know, like mm-hmm. there's definitely music I play where I'm, that's not art. It's just yeah. not art. It's, it's made to be consumed and forgotten about and right. that's okay. That's fine because I know within that I'm doing my best to do so.
0: Right. So, and I think uh, we romana- we romanticize about it and we think that like we're just going to create this amazing art and and if we keep doing that then one day everything will pop and we'll just start making all this money and I just I don't know like sadly I just don't think that that's a reality, you know? Like I think that you yeah. can create amazing art. Um and, and I say this a lot on the podcast of like what Walt Disney said where he's like we don't make movies to make money, we make money so that we can make more movies. Exactly. And I think exactly. about it that way like if i have it's a lot harder to be creatively uh uh like expressive it's a lot harder to do that when you have a hundred dollars in the bank versus if you had a hundred thousand in the bank right and it's of like course. oh now I have a lot more freedom there's a lot less pressure there's you know it just makes everything easier so like like we were talking about before like if the if the chance comes up to make some money, you should like Barring that, you, you have don't have to, to do anything it. like, you know, illegal, illegal. unethical, or like <laughs> something that you're just yeah. completely miserable doing. Then it's like, well, then you might as well go get a job doing something that you're completely miserable at and make more money. You know,
1: correct, correct, yeah. And you know, you have to, um, again, you have to be willing to see that there's an opportunity there. You know, yeah. And sometimes, sometimes you have to dig through a little bit of mud to see that. But if, if you can kind of build that skill. And, you know, that skill can be learned anywhere,
2: you know, mm-hmm.
1: Again, if you're working at Starbucks, if you're working, hell, even at McDonald's, you know, whatever, like and nobody, I wouldn't put too much value into what other people are saying about you negatively. Right. If that sense. Especially if, you know, it's not true.
0: Mm-hmm. There's no one saying anything negative about you. Who's who's above you? Correct. They're all below you. So I wouldn't worry Correct. about it. You know, but right. I, but I do believe that this, I mean, I think this is an interesting topic because I've talked about this for years about how there's this, this weird stigma, stigma sort of yep. thing where it's like, if you're not doing it full time, you failed or like, I. but I look at like, I look at guys like Drew Scholes, right? He was a lawyer, gets a gig with train, is playing with train for a couple of years. And then he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go back to practicing yeah. law. And and you know it's like, and he's good at that, and he's great at drums too. You know, right, like he's right. he's actually
1: uh, um, one of my favorite drummers also. And we toured with them in 2016, and I mean i I learned so much about what it's like to be a touring human being from mm-hmm. him. Yeah, you know, he's a great dude too. Yeah, yeah, he's just a great dude. And I'm actually happy he's on this coast now. Yeah, I think he just went to Seattle. So. He did.
0: Yeah. He's, he's originally from yeah. there. He's originally from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, and even, you know, Jason Sutter who plays with Cher, I mean, he's played with everyone, but, um, he talked about it a lot too, where like he has his real estate license and he sells real estate sort of on the side and invests in it and everything. And for years he kept it from everyone because he was like, I don't want, I don't want people to think that like, you know, I'm not, making it as a job like he was playing with marilyn manson and nine inch nails and and smash and smash mouth i think and then share like the dude's the dude's resume is extremely impressive and but yet he was like i'm interested in this other stuff and i'm gonna do it but i can't let people know because there's going to be some sort of stigma against me that i don't want but now he's just like Fuck it, i don't care and he lets everyone know <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, every and in and in a way if you are doing this, you you do that to an extent anyways, right? Like I don't only tour with Andy Grammer, I'll go play a church gig. Does that right. make me less cool? No. no. Go for no. yourself. It yeah. makes me even cooler. You know, it means that like I can work in other situations, you know, and, and yep. uh there's a value to being able to work in different things. I definitely believe that. And and to uh and to downplay work sometimes is, is, is even less cool than saying something isn't cool. Does that yeah. make sense? Gosh, that was a weird yeah. way to say it. I'll t-
0: you know what's cool? Paying your bills. You know what's not cool? Yeah. Not paying your bills.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And whatever I'm, you got to do a- to
0: make it happen, you got to do it.
1: Yep. You have to sell tomatoes. You can sell tomatoes. Exactly. <laughs> right. I agree.
0: My man. So where can people follow along uh, with what you got going on and, and check in with you or if they want to reach out and, and say, what's up, what's the best way to do it? Yeah.
1: I'm a heavy Instagrammer. Uh, I like to post on there. You go hard, you go
0: hard on the IG. <laughs> I
1: go hard on the IG. You know, honestly, it, I do it because it's, it's, um it's really easy. I think people don't realize how easy it is to post something. Yeah. You know, yep. and it's free. It does again it doesn't cost you anything to post to it. Mm-hmm. And if somebody says, "Oh, screw that guy, he posts too much. It's not cool." It's like, "Well, then you're on it.
0: Yeah, unfollow me.
1: You're just consuming. You're just consuming. At least give something, you know?" Yeah. Um it's one of the things I've learned from Andy. He's like, "You know, so many people give me their actual money if I post on Instagram. It really isn't costing me anything, so I want to give them something, you know?" Right. And and lately with the studio, it's like It's so cool to have feedback come back of like, hey, how'd you get that sound? Or how did you uh, do this? Or I mean, I'm not talking it's like 100 people. It's maybe two, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or what kind of kick drum mic is that? What kind of kick is that? You know, like all those things. It just allows a conversation with people that you might not always have a conversation with.
2: Yeah. And you you can add all this
0: value for free.
1: Exactly. And it's just another... It's another tool. It's another fucking snare drum,
0: in my opinion. You know what I mean? I agree.
1: And if you don't think it's cool, k bye. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, thank you. Thank you for letting me know that you don't like what I'm doing. But thank you for watching it. Because that's the only way you would know that I'm doing it. Right.
0: It's like the the people who are like.
1: It's ass backwards if you think about it. Yeah. It's so ass backwards.
0: I love the people who are on Instagram and they're like, "I hate Facebook," and they're like, "Fuck Facebook," and I'm like, "You do realize that Facebook owns Instagram, right?" (laughs) I'm like, "Absolutely,
1: come on, absolutely." I mean, I don't, I don't use my Facebook. I have it, and I don't like it, but I know that it's owned by Facebook, and I know that everything I post on Instagram eventually gets seen by some dude on Facebook. You know, so that's fine. Right? That's fine. I'm cool with that. We'll be all right. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty much on Instagram. Uh, I do have a Twitter, but I think it all just kind of feeds off of the Instagram. Uh, you can go to my website, which you can find through Instagram. Uh, it's the same thing. Drum away, man. Um, if, yeah, if you have any questions, whatever, you know, hit me up. I'm an open book about stuff. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not better than anybody. (laughs) I always I always tell people like oh if you think you're good just remind yourself Aaron Sterling is is in the same city you live in. Right. So, <laughs> you know what I mean like Right. That's that's I'm cool with I I'm, I'm fine hit me up. I mean I'm, it's
0: a good way to size yourself up too where you're like oh I want all these big gigs and it's like great can you can you go up against Eman? Can you go up against Aaron? Can you go up against Brian Frazier Moore? Can you go up against Dave Elitz? Can you go up against Jason Sutter? Can you go up against exactly. You know, fill no. in the blank because they're all in LA, you know, and it's yeah, like, they're
2: all
1: here, right? And then and then and yeah, I mean, there's just so many great players here who can like do you be be yourself, you know, play the best you can, and be a good person, and eventually somebody will see it. Yep. And if they don't, you always have that guarantee the rest of your life that you were a good person. Yep.
0: And that's you know? all that matters. Yeah. Truthfully. At the end of the day. That's all that matters. Yeah.
1: Don't no. be a dick.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's gonna be the name <laughs> of this episode.
1: I've said that so many times. I like lo- it's true. I have one hundred percent been a dick and I regret that and I've spoken to the people that I've been a dick to, you know? Right. Uh, so but you know, I will gladly say you know, be a dick if you are going to stand
0: up for yourself, but don't be a dick just to be a dick. Yeah, I agree. Well, yeah. dude, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this, setting up a Skype account so that we could make this thing happen. Although we <laughs> live in the same, basically, we oh, live in the same God. city, we should have done it in person. But next time we will get together in person, and uh, yes. we'll get some. I want some tacos, yeah. and who knows, I may show up at your mom's house for for dinner. You never know what's going to happen. I may just randomly pop in. Um,
1: hey, I'm in. I'll text you for <laughs> address right now. Nice. Nice. <laughs>
0: You'll be like, man, this dude is here every Sunday. What is going on?
1: Mom, this is Nick. We've Nick. adopted
0: Nick. <laughs> He's now part of the family. Um, oh, gosh. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> but uh, seriously, man, I appreciate you, one, taking the time to chat, two, uh, being a very open book to to have this Candid conversation because a lot of the stuff that we touched on is super important, doesn't get talked about as much as it should. So, I appreciate you for that and I congratulate you for all your success. And again, man, thank you for being flexible with schedule and all that, man. I, I really do appreciate it.
1: My pleasure.
0: Anytime. Thanks, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. There you have it. That was E Man. You can check out the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session five. Four nine, and also if you're not already signed up for the mailing list, do so just by go to just by going to drummersresource.com. And every week I send out a wrap up email of what's going on uh, or what was released that week, and then any other information that you need to know. I don't sell your info. I don't. Uh, I don't spam people with a bunch of stuff. It's one email a week, maybe two if it's like a very very rare occasion. But usually I just send it out every Friday. And again, you can do that at drummersresource.com. If you dig the podcast, leave a rating, leave a review. I appreciate that that lets other people know that they should be listening to this episode or listening to this show i should say and uh, until the next podcast keep drumming thank you so much for listening and i will be talking to you soon drummer's resource is produced by revoice media executive producer nick ruffini that's me edited by justin thomas video editing by tomas shannon and graphic design by katherine wade for more music and entertainment podcasts be sure to check out revoicemedia.com Peace.